You know, um, I think it's good, and I think it's very healthy sometimes, like, to, uh, to be real human. You know what I mean? Even in the formality of life sometimes, you know, walking around dressed up nicely and stuff, uh, things happen that remind us that we are really, really human, right? Yeah, like a baby crying, right? Like a baby doing more than just crying, right? There's a lot that a baby can do to mess up stuff, right? Or like us, on our, on our very first time we ever had communion, it was, we were trying to make it a very special time and almost choked on the bread. Right before everybody almost died in front of everybody. That's not a joke. Um, I almost died. Uh, And so it reminds you that you're very, very human. But you know what? That's okay. Because guess what? We are humans and we are not angels. God made us to be hanging between heaven and earth. The scripture says we are a little lower than the angels... And yet we're not beasts. So here we are, made for heaven, and yet stinky. We leak. We're human. And I think that's a good thing. And sometimes in a service like this, when a string breaks, when a baby upchucks, when a baby cries, um, when things happen to you and you mess up, Maybe on the reading or something. Embarrass yourself. You know what? Just be reminded that you're human and that's a good thing. Be reminded that the gospel is for humans and not angels. Humans and not animals. Now with that said, turn with me to Psalm 2. I want to share something with you today. Psalm 2. Psalm 2 acts as an introductory psalm to the book of Psalms, which is one of my favorite books of the Bible, encompassing 150 different prayers, different songs. So right up front, David wants us to see two things, uh, namely Psalm 1 and Psalm (laughs) 2. So look with me real quick. There's a Bible that should be accessible for you on your your, um, row if you don't have one already. Notice these words found in Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then He will speak to them in His wrath and terrify them in His fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, Quote, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. 
Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your Holy Word. We pray that You would speak through Your words today. Words that do not even come out of my mouth, but go straight to the heart. We need a word from You. Give us that word. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We pray in Your most holy name. Amen. Two years ago, I flew to Michigan to preach a youth camp there, a family camp. And so, you know the drill. A lot of you, a lot of you have traveled with work or, or various things. Uh, when you get a chance to be away from your family, sometimes it can be a reprieve, you know? It can be a, be a refreshing time to sort of get away, get a different perspective, get away from the kids and the craziness of that situation, and, and, and just sort of uh, breathe for a moment. And so... In this sort of vein of thinking, I thought, wow, I'm going to be able to cozy up in my little cottage thing that, that they have provided for me, you know, and, and I can just sort of, sort of cruise through this week without the, that, without the hairiness of, of children or the worrisomeness of, of, of children that, that that brings because parenting is hard. As we've already said, parenting is tough. It's not an easy, easy thing to do. And so as I was preparing to, uh, to go preach, I grabbed my shoes and... Stuck my foot in there only to hit a Lego. Now, I don't know if you've ever stepped on one of these things before in the middle of the night. But it's not a fun thing to do with a bare foot. I think everybody should at least once experience that feeling of stepping on one unbeknownst to you on the heel of your foot. Just to know the pain that that little thing can bring. This little block. Uh, And, you know... As I stuck my foot in there and was sharply reminded of my children, the Lord said, you know what, buddy, I want you to learn a lesson from this. Even though your kids aren't here, even though for anybody that's here with you, they're invisible for all intensive purposes, they're not. They are there. They are here in the heart. And I just gave you a sign that wherever you go, so too do they. You see, friends, the things that we hold in our heart are real. Love is real. And yet, and yet, try to find it under a microscope. Try to find it in a telescope. Try to put it on a Bunsen burner and boil it to a certain degree to make it visible. And it's impossible because love is not material. And yet, the most written about thing in human history, the most observed thing even this morning in your own life, in my life, love is not just matter or physical for us to see and dabble with or get injected by, oh, he needs more love. Let's get him a shot. No, 
No, that's not the way it works because God is love. So I want to remind you this morning, just as I put my foot in that and was sharply reminded of my children, I want us to step into something today that will remind us that we are human, that we will die, and then the judgment. I want to remind you that you are human. You will die and then be judged. This psalm is a regal psalm, a royal psalm, a kingly psalm. In other words, it deals with the king. Namely, the king of Israel, at least when it was written. But the king of Israel was a representation of, guess who? Of God, the true king. The high king never was King David. And King David understood this. King David understood that he, the buck didn't stop with him. The buck stopped with one that was above him and beyond him, who is the Lord. The first thing we run into here in this psalm, very quickly, is that the nations are raging. They're plotting against God. And it's futile. The way it, the way it describes it here is, it's, this is stupid. It's, why, why are you doing this? This is like, you think you can win? No. You can't win. It's like Shaquille O'Neal coming in here and me trying to beat him at basketball. I'd be like, hey, buddy, um, yeah, I can beat you. you know, no, that's, you're going to laugh at that, which is exactly what happens here. You see, these are schemes against the Lord. And, and here's the thing. The nations are scheming. The peoples are scheming. All for what? Well, notice it's to burst the bonds apart and cast away the cords. The peoples, the nations, feel like God has bound them up. And they are going to break out so they can be free. Break away from God. Now culturally speaking, our culture has tried to do this. Our time around the world, I mean the culture around the world, not just America has said in certain places such as Europe and now in America, it said this, look, I can deal with the whole moral issues and that is to say there is no God. There is no God. Just, just say that. There is no God, right? God is dead. On the front cover of one of our periodicals, God is dead. There's no God. That's how you get around stuff. We can do what we want to do. We can, we can shuck off here all the cords that bind us. And I can choose who I want to be. I can choose what I get to do. If I want to say I'm a woman, I'm a woman. Who are you to say anything other than that? If I want to practice sex the way I want to do it, 
Who, are you, who in the world are you to tell me that? What kind of authority do you have? If I want to lie to get ahead, what's that to you? As long as it doesn't hurt you, I mean, who am I hurting? You've heard this before? All we have to do is maybe erase the name God. That fixes the problem. Or does it? What if you're wrong? It's a big if, isn't it? Is that even an if worth playing with? Like, just imagine... This is Blaise Pascal. Just imagine... If you live according to the Bible, according to the teachings of Jesus, by which all the major world religions of our world would say, oh yeah, Jesus is a great teacher. He's a great moral example. None of them have a problem with Jesus. Zero. Not Hinduism, not Jainism, Zoroastrianism, all the isms. None of them have a problem with Jesus. None of them can disagree with his teachings. I mean, who can disagree with love God and love your neighbor as yourself? It's pretty solid stuff. We can all kind of, yeah, right on, right on, right on. But if you don't live according to the Bible, according to the teachings of Jesus, in obedience to God, and you come down to the end of your life, and you're wrong, there's a big price to pay if you're wrong. You really lose nothing if you live a good moral life according to all the world's religions. What do you lose? Like, oh yeah, he was a good person. He was a great person. He loved people. She loved people. She served others. You don't really lose anything if all of a sudden, oh, this was just a fairy tale. Ah, gotcha. Nobody's there at the end. It's just a dead end, just darkness. When you die, when you close your eyes, that's it. But what if you're wrong? Just what if you're wrong? They plot, they counsel with each other against Yahweh, against his anointed one. What is God's response? Here's this is the people that's speaking, but what's what's God's response? God's response might shock you a little bit. Kind of like that Lego. Might be a little shocking to you. He laughs. Now this is not just a chuckle. He's not saying, (laughs) oh, you know, big deal. No, no. Derision means that he mocks you with his laughing. You think you're in control of your life? Your morality? How you treat other people? You are not. I am not. Listen, people say, well, you you need to chill out a little bit, big guy. Chill out a little bit. That's what I thought when I hit that Lego, huh? I'm trying to remind you that you will die and then the judgment. I don't like it any more than you do. I'm a part of the process just as much as you are. And actually, Paul will warn us, he'll say... Sorry, James. He'll, James will say, 
don't strive to be a teacher, a preacher. Because they will be, you will be judged at a higher level than other people for what you say and where you lead people. I had a professor one time, he said, he said, people try to say, you know, theology doesn't matter. Words don't matter, like the words we, we use for baptism, the words we say each Sunday. Words don't matter. Theology doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you can be wrong about all that stuff and it'd be still okay. It's not brain surgery. And he said, no, it's not brain surgery. It's more important than brain surgery because the result of brain surgery might just be that you die. That'd be the worst possible case scenario. But if you're wrong about God, it's not just death. You're going to hell for eternal punishment. Look, I don't want it to be eternal. I wish hell would just be some temporary thing. But Jesus specifically says in the book of Matthew, eternal punishment. Where the fire dies not, the worm dies not. You're going to die. And then the judgment. A professor recently, when I was in Mississippi, my last trip, he said he told this story as he was preaching. I can't get it out of my head. He said there's this painting, or either it's a statue one, I'm not real sure. He said it shows this real kingly kind of guy, you know, on a horse, on a stallion, and it's kind of reared up like this, and he's reaching, and, he, and he's reaching out like this right here, and, he, and, you know, this is a crown, and he's reaching, he's almost got the crown, I mean, just... And it's like this epic moment that's caught, forever sealed in this piece of artwork. It says, what you don't notice when you're looking at what he's reaching for is that underneath him are being trampled women and children. And the title of the piece of artwork is just simply, Man. We want our way. We don't want to be told what to do. We don't like to be told what to do. We're Americans. And Americans enjoy freedom. We fight for it. But the freedom the world offers us is a lie. It's the true bonds. It's the true fetters that chain us. For in Jesus, there's true freedom. In being, I know it's, it's oxymoronic, in being his slave, we're free. Paul says, I'm a bond servant of Jesus Christ because that's the only place where joy and freedom is. You want to be blessed? You want to be happy? The psalmist right here. Did you notice how he ended it? You want to be happy in life? You want to be blessed in life? Not just in this life, but the next. Notice, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Happy are all who take... You realize that's exactly what Psalm 1 is saying, right? Blessed is the person who does not do these things. But who does this thing because the way of the wicked will perish. I think we've watered down the gospel. I don't like to talk about other churches because it's just not my place. We're on the same team. I like talking about a teammate. But we, 
have watered down the gospel. You don't have to be all nasty and ugly about how you get it fertilized. But, but, we got to recover the good news. But the only way for it to be good news is to understand the bad news. Uh, yesterday, I was, I was telling Aaron, I, uh, you know, I had, had some of the weekend by myself, so I was doing a bunch of outside projects right at my house. One of those projects was our shop vac, right? Um, I took it out to look at the filter. Oh, my goodness. I don't even want to. Th- I took a picture of it. I couldn't even hardly look at it myself just to show Jessica. Uh, it was awful. It had been changed in five, probably ten years maybe. Um, so I changed the filter, you know? Put a little thing around, around the vortex or whatever you call that thing. Put a, so I souped it all up, cut it on, and Joker ran like a top. I mean, whoo, sounded nice and everything. You know, I was like... Wow, sometimes you don't know how good something is until you have the real good. You know what I mean? Jessica's notorious for wearing out brakes, right? She likes, to, she likes to hit the brakes. She would say I'd do the same thing. But either way, we like to wear out brakes, you know? And when your brakes get bad, you start doing this number when you're coming to a stop sign. People think you're jamming, but you're really just, your rotors are bad. You know what I mean? You, you ever seen somebody like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Unfortunately, our car is like that most of the time. <laughs> well, when you get new rotors on there, new brakes on there, the thing rides like a Cadillac. You didn't even know how, you forgot how good it really is. Let me tell you something. It may seem, it may seem like following Jesus is laborious, is like becoming a slave. But let me tell you, there's freedom only in Jesus. You don't know how good you have it until you have him. You say, I'm already living a good life, man. I don't need a, I don't, I don't really need a savior. Like, and that's, that's the problem. We don't know the bad news. I've often used this illustration. If somebody gave you a $30,000 surgery card for free. Here you go. Here's a diverticulosis, you know, uh, diverticulitis surgery taken care of, already prepaid on this card. You're like, oh. Okay, thanks, weirdo. I don't have diverticulosis, right? What if you did? You didn't know it. Most of us go around life and we say, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. Everything's fine. You know, we, how you doing? Oh, good, 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 good. Really? Are you really good? Are you really okay? Maybe it's just the lie that you've been telling yourself for years. I'm here just to remind you this morning. You will die, and then the judgment. That's everybody. God says, look, I've put my guy on the throne and on my hill. My king, my hill. Then he says this. Then the psalmist speaks. It's kind of interesting, the, if we have more time, the pronoun will shift here in seven. I will tell of the decree. Now David's talking. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Of course, that's a foreshadowing of what Jesus is going to come to do. He's going to come to be the true king, the high king. He says, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. The only way to be healed is if you're broken, if you're sick. How can you be healed if you're well? You say you're well, there's no salvation for you. 
For the longest time, I had trouble, theologically speaking, with understanding why resurrection was so important. I just, you know, just theologically, I just always ask myself, like, I don't understand why the whole resurrection thing, like, what's... It's because we must die to ourselves to live. There has to be a death that happens. The only way to be resurrected is if you're dead. There's no resurrection for people who think they're alive. There's no healing of our blindedness if we don't believe we're blind. It's so ironic in the Gospels. Jesus always is healing the, the blind people. And the blind people know who he is. Son of David, have mercy on us. They can't see anything. Son of David, have mercy. The disciples, they can see physically, but they don't see. Not yet. They will, but it's going to take a death. The death of Jesus. See, some of us have created a God in our heads that is not the true and living God. We're literally practicing idolatry in our head. I talk to people sometimes and say, I don't believe in a God who punishes people and sends them to hell and does all these kind of stuff and, and is just so angry. I said, I don't either. It's not the God I know. God I know is way better than that. In him is light, no darkness at all. He's only good. But he's a good judge. And a good judge tells the truth. Bad judges let people off, don't they? And it really ticks people off when I, I just had a buddy just this week let somebody off, really hurt my friend because he did it. It's bad judging. God is a good judge. Either you can try to pay your debt or you can let him do it. Can I give you a little hint? You're not going to be able to pay that debt. Let him do it. He's more than willing to go to the cross for us. It's us or him. We're really pantheists, I think, in our idolatry. Pantheism, God does nothing, demands nothing. He's there if you wish, like a book on a shelf. Just whenever we need him, pull him out. Oh, yeah. Election time, oh, boy, we need God, guys. Come on, let's pray together. After election time, all right, let's cruise a little while till we need him again. The pantheist God won't pursue you. You're really in no danger at all. Just a God on call, like a doctor. Need him? Give him a buzz. Don't? Don't worry about it. That's not the living God, my friends. Our God is alive. He's here with us this morning. He's here with us this morning. <laughs> Maybe it shocks you, some of this stuff. Maybe this stuff shocks you that you're going to die. You're going to be judged by a living God that is watching you now, that's in the room with you. Here's what Lewis says. Bear with me. You have had a shock like this before in connection with smaller matters. When the line pulls at your hand, when something breathes beside you in darkness... So here, the shock comes at the precise moment when the thrill of life is communicated to us along the clue we have been following. It is always shocking to meet life. 
where we thought we were alone. Look out, we cry. It's alive. And therefore, this is the very point at which so many draw back. Here's Lewis talking to himself. I would have done so myself. Remember, he was an atheist. I would have done so myself if I could and proceed no further with Christianity. An impersonal God, well and good. A subjective God of beauty, truth, and goodness inside our own heads, better still. A formless life force surging through us of vast power which we can tap, best of all. But God Himself alive, pulling at the other end of the cord, perhaps approaching at an infinite speed, the hunter, the king, the husband. That is quite another matter. There comes a moment when the children who have been playing at burglars hush suddenly. Was that a real footstep in the hall? There comes a moment when people, notice this, who have been dabbling in religion, which is man's search for God, suddenly draw back, supposing we really found him. We never meant it to come to that. Worse still, supposing he had found us. He has. Just as I struck my foot on this dude, this is actually the piece that I, I kept this. Keep it in my office. This is actually the exact one that I hit in Michigan. Just I hit that and was reminded of people in my life who are invisible at the time in Michigan. They weren't anywhere around. But they were around. And they watched Daddy all the time. They watch you. They know you. They know you by name. They talk about you at the house. Good things most of the time. Have you been struck today by God's shot at you? He only, as the psalmist here says, wants to dash them to pieces, dash our heart to pieces because our heart's bad. It's bad. It's wicked. We want our way and we're willing to do whatever it takes to reach that thing no matter who we step on. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. This is what I'm saying to you today. Be wise. Be warned. I'm warning you. Look, I don't want anybody in this room to go to hell and say, I can't believe he preached for five years while I was there and he never warned me of this place. There is a hell which is eternal punishment. And it's just as sure as I'm looking at you in your eyeballs, there's also a Jesus who is physical in a body. We're going to be able to see his eyes just like I can see your eyes and you will stand before him. And he's not some grandpa that just can't see very well and whistles while he talks. Come here, Sonny. And forgets things. He sees all things. We have an advocate, though, who is the Son, who stands in our way. And even though we deserve death, he takes death upon himself. God does. He doesn't send somebody, a minion of his. 
He sends himself and he dies on a cross. So, in conclusion, we've stepped on the Lego. It hurts. It's tough. It's painful. But it's a reminder. Even though you can't see God physically, He's watching. He's there. He sees all things. This is a reminder today that you will die and you will be judged. But it's also a reminder that if we go to the cross today, this very minute, unclench our fist and bow our knee to Him. Kiss the Son in an act of submission. He will come flooding to our rescue. He will heal us. He will set us free to be who we were always meant to be. He'll make us fly high. And we can do it together. Because that's what we're about here at this church is doing just that. Would you come today to these altars and let him make you right? And when he does, I'm going to share, and Carrie's going to share briefly just a moment about how you can serve him right away. Because we have tons of opportunities to do that. I've saved him up for last. Went off script today, trust me. 95% of this stuff wasn't in my notes. But that's all right. I'm not joking when I say if God has spoken to you, don't, don't delay. You never know. You never know. None of us do. Don't delay. Come to him. He can heal. You can have resurrection life. Live eternally. You can be in obedience with Jesus today. That's exciting. I love what, love what Rachel said. Anytime we talk, and I've seen all you talk, just about all of you in here, I've seen you talk. Use your hands. Oh, yeah, da, da, Alabama game, da, 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 ba, 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 that fight last night, da, 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 you know, whatever it might be, right? You just work in those hands, you know what I mean? I work my hands. When you start thinking about it, it makes you a worse speaker, so you're not supposed to think about it, but nonetheless. We use our bodies, don't we, to communicate? Will you use your body to communicate to God? Somebody needs to bow before him. Somebody needs to kneel and kiss the son in submission. I don't know who it is. I'm not a seer. I'm just the messenger because I'm about to go do the same thing. So as our worship team comes, I want us to sing that last song that we sang. What's the name of it? Lord our God. Yes, that was a powerful song. Listen, as we sing this song, don't lie. Sing the words and mean them. Let's bow before God. Amen.